This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. Welcome to the Hero Academy Podcast, the place where we can celebrate and highlight our frontline heroes. I believe that frontline heroes such as nurses, firemen, EMS, police officers, and military are heroes without capes. I don't care about politics, only positivity and purpose. I only care about those who have chosen to serve society. I believe in collaboration over competition. Here you will learn the secrets and strategies that let ordinary people become extraordinary inside of their passion. Sometimes we'll throw in some simple side hustles that everyday regular people are doing. Things you can do to make extra money, especially if you're starting to think about retirement and what's next. Inside this podcast each week, you will learn from people like you who are working full time, but still found time to create a course, grow a big team or a large audience or a profitable side hustle. The steps they took, their backstories and how they overcame burnout. The perfect blend of mindset and techniques. I'm your host, David Diem. Now let's get your dream lit for your freedom. It's good to see you, Andrea. Yeah, good to see you. How have you been? Very good, very good. I saw on a recent post that you were on this crazy hike. I love hiking. That looked like a crazy vertical. Where was that? Dude, it's Pinnacles. It's a national park here in California. It's about two hours south of me. It's kind of outside of... It's an area near Hollister outside of um, Monterey, Monterey County. Yeah, it looked crazy. I don't know much about California. In relation to LA, is it north or south? It's about 300 miles north. 300 miles north, okay. Yeah, so it's south of San Jose, south of San Francisco, north of LA. Okay, okay. Yes. Yeah. I can't wait. Like, I wanted to live in California, but now California is crazy. <laughs> oh, dude, so don't I, come here. <laughs> no, no, no. I wanted to live there for like just like a year or so, but now I no longer want to live in Southern California. Now I think I'll settle for Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you're in New York, right? I am. And all of my family's in New York. So it would be really easy for them to fly to Florida versus, you know, across the country. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about, we were talking about Carolinas, maybe get closer, we get over to the East Coast again that way, because I'm from Ohio originally. So that way it's like you can get to family closer and easier. And California is just so freaking expensive. It's ridiculous. And, the taxes, and there's so many, so many people. There's the traffic, the bums. The traffic, yeah, the bums. The bums are insane. Since COVID, like it just went bumtastic over here. I'm like, it was crazy before COVID. And then when COVID hit, it really like a lot of them were gone. And then all of a sudden after COVID, it's like people are living in their cars and shit. It's it, ex- it exploded. It exploded. Oh, it's terrible. Got a little spin drift there. I do. I like spin drift. So this is cranberry raspberry flavor. It's, it's my new favorite. I love cranberry anything. Seasonal. Oh, is it seasonal? I'll have to check it out. I know Trader Joe's has them. You know, they add cranberry to everything around the holidays. I love this season. I'm like, yes, I love anything pumpkin, anything chocolate mint, all that stuff. Like, that's my jam. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I love mint and pumpkin, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I miss those um, coffee mate creamers. They're terrible for you, so I don't ever use them. But I love the pumpkin spice and the peppermint coffee uh, creamers back in the day when I wasn't healthier. Yeah. So I'm Liz, vegan and I love Thanksgiving, but I just I love it say, because of the family stuff. Yeah. Liz, you're not vegan, right? I am not. I am a carnivore. We'll convert you. We'll get you over to our side. Did I tell you I'm trying to get Andrea to teach me how to do it? She's like... Yeah, so the way that I transitioned was I used 
a lot of fake meats, you know, the uh, the crumbles and the, the fake chicken. They are pretty good, but you definitely want to move away from those eventually and move towards whole foods. But they are a great way to transition. I agree. Stepping stones. Stepping you gotta stones. Figure, yeah, you got to figure out what you're into and what, you know, if you love certain things like beef and stuff, then work your way through Impossible Burgers. Like mm-hmm. my husband's been eating vegan with me for dinner recently. So I've been making more stuff with like Beyond Meat and stuff like that for him to eat. And it's like, he doesn't even really notice he's eating vegan. We instituted a rule in our house where we try to do one, just one dinner a week, yeah. vegetarian, but we haven't stepped it up yet. We've been doing that for like a year. So now maybe it's time to do two. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Hey, every day counts. Every meal Incremental, counts. right? Yeah. For yeah. Sure. I figured one less meal that I eat without meat is just helping our carbon footprint. <laughs> every little So this minute. is only my second time interviewing two people on camera at the same time. So I'd like to start with Liz. If you could just give me a quick, uh, your backstory. Yeah, Tell absolutely. Tell us about the burnout coaches. Absolutely. Thanks. So I'm Liz Jacob. I am based out of Columbus, Ohio. And my background is actually in sales and marketing. I recently stepped back from a customer-facing role in sales to more of a sales support role. And it kind of goes along with our program. And my quality of life has just skyrocketed. It's just so much better alongside the fact that I've been working with Andrea for... She's been coaching me for what? Like three, four years now, Andrea. And we've been friends even longer than that. So we've been friends since like 2005, I want to say. So... Yep. Yep. Yeah. So Andrea took the, the dive into... She'll get into you know her history. But I was just... I'm a people pleaser and very sensitive to feedback. So sales was really hard for me. And I just continually felt like I wasn't good enough. And so that's, you know, really why working with Andrea has helped me because it's helped me kind of step out of my head, be in the moment, what's realistic, what isn't. And after working with her, we were like, let's take this to the masses if we can. And why did you choose uh, frontline workers? Well, because Andrea has a specialty in that. And I can empathize with the burnout portion. And uh, not being able to say no. So, you know, I, well, I have, I don't have the frontline background. I do have the burnout background (laughs) and Andrea has both. So yeah, so that's, I mean, people don't have to go through this. There are tools and techniques that can just make, just really benefit. So it's a good, um, uh, good segue to go to Andrea. Exactly. Okay. So I'm Andrea Cottrell and I am from Columbus, Ohio originally. So that's how Liz and I met. And now I'm living in San Jose, California. So I've been here for about five years. And I have been a frontline worker for since 2012. And before that, I did marketing with Liz. We were at separate companies, but that's how we met and intermingled. And we just, we used to party together and like have a blast doing all kinds of shit. And we had our wild nights (laughs) and um, I slowly got into health and fitness. And like, I got engaged in 2015 and in 2016, we're like, we're going to go to Punakana and get married. So I'm like, shit, I got to get a beach body. (laughs) I'm I'm going to sit around and sit all day. I need to look good. So I found Orange Theory actually, and I joined Orange Theory. And because I was the person that sat on the couch, I did yoga, but it wasn't like any strenuous yoga to get myself in shape. And my husband was always begging me to go to the gym, and I just hated it. So then I went and found Orange Theory and became obsessed. And I just slowly got into this health and wellness stuff. And I went through a bunch of nutrition, and then I went to um, get my certification in health coaching. And as a frontliner, I was I'm in radiology, so I do CT and X-ray. Work in a couple hospitals here in the Bay Area, and I just was tanking myself. I was teaching yoga like six classes a week. And then I was working 70, 80 hour weeks at the hospital on top of that. And I was just go, go, go. And I figured out I was doing things to keep myself going so much. So I didn't have to deal with other shit. 
So I figured out the why of my burnout and that's so important. And that's kind of what I figured out. And then I figured out techniques and tools to pull myself out. So it's about digging deep and figuring out what's going on and why it's going on and then how to move forward from it and move out of it and continue. And it's a continuous struggle. I've been in and out of burnout multiple times. It's not my first rodeo when that happened, like it's happened since then. And then I really just hit a rock bottom and realized that I had tanked myself and I wasn't the only one suffering from it. My friends, my family, my coworkers, I started getting very negative, cynical, just like downright nasty and bitchy to people. And that is not me. And so I was like, something's got to fucking change. And so I figured all this out and moving forward with it. I just, it's like something that really hits home for me because it is real. I got very depressed, a lot of anxiety. People go through all kinds of things with this. And I just think it's so important to find help and not be afraid to reach out about it and let someone help you. You don't have to do this stuff on your own. And that's really where Liz and I like really feel it. And we really want to help people. So we get, this is something we get super excited about. I've heard people have told me the story of feeling angry towards the people that they're dealing with. And I've heard this story a lot. Yeah. How'd you pull yourself out? So first of all, it's realizing it. And sometimes that's realizing it yourself. And sometimes it's realizing it from other people. And a lot of times people don't realize that they are doing what they're doing. And the first time I went through burnout, I kind of realized it and kind of didn't. And people were just like, all you do is work. Like we try and do things with you. And people were getting mad at me. I was losing friends over it and like not being close to my family. And so then I was like, oh, I got to get help. And like, so I did a lot of meditation. I started using yoga for stuff, but then I started using drinking and like stuff like that to help as well. And I'm like, oh, I'm stressed out. I'm going to go get drunk and that, you know, I don't have to deal with stuff. So even when I was working to not have to deal with stuff, then I was using alcohol, even outside of work to still not deal with stuff. So I was just tanking myself. And then recently I had gone through another big spell of it. And it was like everybody coming to me and it was like, I'm starting a burnout program. And I was burnt out trying to get that going. While I was trying to work in the hospital and everybody's like, you're trying to do a burnout program and help other people when you need to help yourself first. So instead of turning to alcohol this time, I turned toward only meditation and I turned toward my workouts and I turned toward eating right. And I turned toward stopping working night shifts and putting a stop to the shit storm that I was in and decided to put myself first and change my lifestyle and make changes and not rely on things like alcohol, bad food, hang out with people that did not serve my purpose and were not people, you know, people that were like gossiping at work and shit. That's not my deal. And all of a sudden I felt myself kind of in that, you know? So it's about recognizing what's going on. And a lot of times it's somebody pointing it out to you and being like, dude, and those are your true friends or your family members. And you got to listen to them. You have multiple people telling you that. Do you really think they're wrong? I was getting mad at people for calling me out. I'm like, all you want to do is hang out. Like, I'm busy. I have to work. I have to work. Like, I'm just like, have this mentality. And I'm like, I don't have time for this with you. And you know, like, I've got things to do. And then I just kind of hit me. I'm like, I have one life. And I do not want to spend 70 hours a week in a hospital working and being drained. And then when I'm not in the hospital, I want to work out. And I was so drained. My adrenals were fatigued. I couldn't do anything. Two o'clock in the afternoon every day, I was trying to keep my head up because my system was crashing on me. There's no way to oh, live. I, I know all about bad sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. It's I know freaking- all about it. Sleep deprivation is real. And what it can do to your body is insane. Your hormones, your endocrine system suffers so badly from it. It's insane. For me, the biggest thing is the uh, shift change. So one week I'd be working nine to five and the next week I'd be working five to one in the morning and then sometimes get off at four in the morning. So then the following week I'd be waking up at 4.30 in the morning to go to the gym. So just shifting around my sleep like that constantly, it's very tough on the body and tough on the mind too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'd be working like night shift and I'd get up at 7am and then I'm like, Oh, I got to get to my next hospital by 8am. So I'd like go straight from one to the next and I get off at 5pm and I go home and sleep for a few hours. I'd be back on night shift. And I'm like, I'm somebody that's a food prepper. I like to, I have my things that I like to do. And when I realized I had to start ordering out food and I couldn't get my workouts in, I was like, who am I? (laughs) Like, this is my, this is not me. This is not my lifestyle. And this is not who I want to be. And I realized I can say no 
you know, I can take time for myself. I can figure out a way to put myself first. And it all like hit home and it finally really hit for me. Frontliners too. It's so important because they're the ones out there helping us. Like we want them to take care of themselves before they take care of us so that they're sharp. They can make good decisions quickly. And on top of all that, they deserve to treat themselves well. We want them to be healthy because they're putting their lives on the line every day. Yeah. Imagine if your pilot was only on three and a half hours sleep and you knew that the pilot of the plane was only on three and a half hours sleep and he's pounding coffee right before the flights to stay awake. You'd be like, yeah. I don't know if I want that guy necessarily. You know? <laughs> Denzel. Yeah. yeah. What's, what's it's, up great, great movie. it's a great movie. <laughs> that is a great movie. I can't remember what it's called either. But the it's the same thing. It might be the flight. It's the same thing. Like think about doctors. Exactly. Yeah. I enjoy this, you know, having conversations with people and just like hearing this, the story and like what they overcame. Liz, you have kids? I do not. I have a four-legged child. Okay. All right. I got one of those. I got one of those too. <laughs> yep. Yep. Andrea and I are dog moms. Duke, say hi. Oh, hi. Duke's here. Oh, dude, hey, the Duke. boy. He's just the cutest. He's mad because we're late on our walk today. We're going to go on a while. You're fine. Where do you take him to walk? I usually will go... We do a three-mile loop to a place called the Rose Garden. I took Liz. Liz was here a couple months ago. And then there's another one that's a three-mile loop down to Santa Clara University. So we're right between both of them. So like in the morning, we'll do one. In the evening, we do the other. So he's over there. He's pouting because we threw our schedule off. My husband and I went to Orange Theory early this morning when we usually walk him. And then I usually go to Orange Theory later. So we flipped everything around. Now he's all pissy. Like, you're fine. (laughs) My life is hard enough with a dog, let alone children. (laughs) What What kind of dog do you have, Liz? I have a brown dog. He's around here somewhere. I don't want to stir him because he'll get sassy. He's a no, long-haired Duke. He looks yeah, like Duke with head. long hair. <laughs> okay. I have a French bulldog and he's got oh, he's got short little legs and he's an old man now. He's probably uh, 10 or 11 and he does not like to go for walks for longer than a half of a block. So if, <laughs> so if I take him around the block, three quarters of the way, he'll just stop walking and look at me and he'll, he'll be like, are we still doing this? <laughs> That's such a bulldog thing. Yeah, so he'll just stop walking. And a lot of times I've had to pick him up and carry him home. Yeah, at least he's the smaller bulldog. You can do that. Yeah. <laughs> My friend has a huge one and they have to bring a wagon with him to put him in in case he stops walking. He's ginormous. He's so overweight because he won't do anything. <laughs> and they feed him garbage. <laughs> so, I, mean, so funny. I was going to ask you to bring it back to burnout. How did you balance the different schedules and switching back and forth? What did you do to kind of counteract that? You for just tough me, it out or no, for, I, I've never been much of a drinker. So for me, it's always been the gym. I, I've always been in jujitsu or going to the gym. So I, I've never stopped working out since I've you know started. I think the longest break I've ever had was maybe a month from an injury, but I've never stopped working. You know, I've ne- I just never stopped training. I've always been a gym guy. And anytime I had a really, really tough week or a tough day, like the gym was my sanctuary and like, I'm such an advocate for people to exercise. It doesn't really matter what it is, whether it's walking or going to the gym or jujitsu or Orange Theory, CrossFit, whatever it is, they have to have an outlet. It has to be a physical outlet because the physical (laughs) is so important for the mental. You have to have some way of releasing all of that angst and all of that energy that builds up, you know, over time. And especially when you have tough days, you know? For sure. I totally agree. Let me ask you guys this. Tell me about your program. What are the steps? So it's about, so we have like a three month program pretty much and it's a self-paced thing. And then weekly there's group coaching calls you can get on and we talk about everything, but, um, it includes like meditation. It includes how you're eating, what you're putting into your body. It includes activity and then mentally learning to say no, why you should say no, why you're not saying no, what you're mentally turning into, you know, the cynicism, 
the sleep deprivation, all those things. We give sleep techniques. And um, I have a whole 21 days of meditation you follow that are like specifically planned out and everything. So there's all these little steps that you go through. And it's like, it's built so it's not overwhelming though. We've spread everything out. It's just something that I've followed, Liz has done. And it's like, you know, it's built for specifically for frontline workers. Frontline workers don't have time to fuck around, right? Like we want to get our shit done. You want to get moving and you got to get to work or do whatever you want to do, right? So it's like, I don't want to sit around and try and learn how to do something for an hour before I do it. Like just get me in there and get me to it, through it and move forward. If people want to find more information, where should they go? They would want to go to our Facebook page is a new you occupational burnout coaches is where they can go to, to get information on us and, and we can connect with them there. If they're interested in, in starting the program, we'll set up a call. It's not for everybody. We like to talk about it. And sometimes people aren't ready, but when they are, we're here. You know, we understand it. It takes some time to be with the fact that you might need help, right? And you can't do it alone. And for me, it's an accountability thing. That's why I love it. And Andrea has done this with so many of her colleagues and private clients that we thought, let's turn it into, like I said, turn it into a program where a lot of people can access it and where we can be in multiple places for help for multiple people at once. The toughest yeah. thing is uh, knowing when you need help, right? That's the yeah. toughest thing. For sure. And not realizing. Burnout is so creepy. It creeps the fuck in and you have no idea. And then all of a sudden you are tanked. And we talk about the levels. We have a quiz you take and everything and you figure out your level of burnout and see where you are. And sometimes people are very high and it's like, we will recommend you you need to see a professional, like a, a medical professional. Because people get into the point of suicidal ideations and different things like that. It can get very serious and it's something you don't want to mess around with. You think, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And all of a sudden you find yourself alone because you push people out of your life and you get into a deep, dark hole and it is not pretty. And I've seen it. I've been on the verge of a lot of things. It's not where you want to be mentally, especially, and physically you suffer. But if you're on Instagram and stuff, we're on at burnout coaches is another way to find us. And we have our group that we hold, which is frontliners facing burnout. So if anybody wants to jump on and chat and it's all, you know, frontline workers and we're all like-minded people and we all feel each other and we're there to support each other. We're there to bitch, moan, complain, post funny shit and support each other. You know, it's like all the things that we need is like an outlet and get away. And it's safe. You know that yeah, people can relate. And if anybody puts anything on there that isn't, I love cutthroat and we're like, you're out. <laughs> <laughs> there you just like have the power, Andrea. <laughs> power. No, we're there to protect each other and be there for each other and hold that space. And I love that. Have you had so, to boot anyone? Yeah, we booted a couple people, but it's just for bullshit. Like they're just trying to market, you know, you know how social uh -huh. media is. People are just uh -huh. trying to market their shit. So yeah, no yeah they want to get it, crazy. They, they want to get into the group and they're like, hey, buy my stuff. <laughs> yeah. Which is yep. like, whatever, but it's not a big deal. We haven't had anything too crazy. So yeah. What's next for you guys after the coaching program? If you could get a Netflix special, if you could get on, uh, on Hulu and get your Amazon show, what would it be about? I think I'd want to do a reality show. I'm all about reality. Oh yeah. Andrew and Liz shenanigans. We're always into something. <laughs> if you just sat, like we'll sit and we'll zoom to talk about business, but we always, our rule is anytime we call each other, we have to catch up personally first just to, you know, get that off the table, make sure we're both in a good space and talk to each other. And then we move into business. Then an and hour later, sudden, we move into business. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden we're talking about bullshit. Like both of our guilty pleasures are some of the reality shows on Bravo TV. I'm obsessed with Below Deck and The Real Housewives and Southern Charm, mm -hmm. Summer House. Those I've, are watched like, a, and then, I've watched a few episodes of uh, Real Housewives in my, <laughs> you know, in my heyday. I, I don't watch it anymore, but I used to. There's some I can watch. There's a couple of them I can't even handle. They drive me crazy, but there's some that I'm just like, I've been watching since they first started. And then Summer House came out and Below Deck and I'm like, forget about it. I'm like, I just, I could watch that stuff all day. It's so entertaining to me. And Liz and I will get going and just bullshitting back and forth. And like, oh just gosh. hearing us talk about it, I think you could make a show out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pitch it to the executives. Thank you.
get us in. I think it'd be cool to do something with yoga, meditation, and like just the reality of it. Like I think a lot of people don't realize what yoga meditation is and can be. I think people just think, oh, it's Buddhism and oming and you know, it's just like one thing when there's just so many different layers and levels and ways of doing things that there's something literally for everybody. And it's not just one thing. David, can you talk about that? Uh, I've tried. And every time, you know, I can do a guided meditation only. Yeah. Yeah. Only guided meditations. Cause I've tried to sit against my closet and I just start to feel drowsy. I start to feel sleepy and I cannot stay awake. So I find that if I do a guided meditation and I'm listening to the words, like I did a 21 day abundance meditation. I can't, yeah, I can't remember. And I followed through every day because I'm big on consistency and, you know, like following through and doing things. So I did every day of it. I wrote down little notes. Actually, I have it right here in this little notebook next to me. And I'll tell you, Deepak Chopra. Oh yeah. 21, 21 days of abundance. So I, I, one of his books. so I did all 21 days of it because uh, one of my friends had invited me to it on Facebook and it sounded interesting and I knew it was guided. So I was like, I can do a guided meditation, you know, but by myself, just sitting there and like thinking thoughts and trying to clear my mind, I fall asleep. I just, I just get drowsy. It can be difficult. I think if you sitting against something or in a chair is uh, if you're trying to do a silent meditation is a no, no, you got to sit up in the middle of like a room on like a pillow and sit there or else you're, unless you're trying to fall asleep. <laughs> I always lay down. Cause that like, that's how I motivate myself to do it. It's like, I'm going to lay down and do nothing like relax. And, and you don't when, fall asleep? Not always, not always. But yeah, sometimes that's crazy. I do. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. You don't. I, no, I I'm out. It. I'm out in sub seven minutes, under seven minutes. I'm out. Yeah. Unconscious. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I asked because when Andrea first encouraged me to do it, I was like, "This is some hippie stuff." I, I was really skeptical. I was like, "But hey, I get to do nothing for 15 minutes for 20 minutes. Hey, I'm on board, and I'll try that." It was kind of like the easiest way to get self care for me. <laughs> And the, then, the health benefits of meditation have been proven over hundreds and hundreds, I guess, centuries. The health benefits of meditation have been proven. So it's, it, it's definitely one of those things that are really good. Oh, you know what I think? I don't know if you guys have read it, The Happiness Hypothesis. Uh, That's a great book. He has like, um, he talks about meditation. He talks about going to places where you feel small, like your hiking trip that you mm-hmm. took recently, places like that where you're alongside huge lakes or mountains, you know, just getting into nature and breathing the air and just like, it's very healing. My that's, friends that's are cracking one... up. I was literally hugging onto the rock yesterday and just laying my face <laughs> there. I was like, I just feel so grounded and you feel the energy of the earth. I know it sounds crazy, but I love that. Like I just, I was literally like on the side of the mountain and I was like hugging it. And I was like, that's what happens when here. you move to California. <laughs> you turn into I a know. hippie. You're you a rock hugging, hugger. You start I'm hugging the rocks. <laughs> I'll hug a tree. I'm not above any of it. I love it all. What you say is true, David, because I recently just took a 10-day trip and we drove up the coast. I got to go out and see Andrew in San Jose and we drove up the coast up to Portland and took 10 days. And it was exactly as healing like you described in that book. It's kind of like, I mean, we saw the Redwoods and you feel so small. You're like, I'm just a blip on the map here. It really puts things into perspective. So I'm going to read that. Yes, I think you would enjoy it. I'll shoot you a message with the author's name, but I know the title of it is The Happiness Hypothesis. And it's, it's actually really good. I love that. I just got back last week, two weeks ago now from, um, I did a 10 day silent meditation retreat and it was so crazy and intense. It's called Vipassana, but you sit and it's out in the middle of nowhere. So it's completely silent and you don't talk to anyone. You don't even make eye contact with anyone. And you're just meditating. You wake up at 4am and you meditate, you meditate till 6.30am and then you eat breakfast and then you go back and start again at 8am and you go until 11 
And then you have lunch in a break from 11 to 1, and then you meditate again until 5, and you fast after 12 p.m. and don't eat again until 6.30 a.m. And you don't go to bed until 9.30 p.m. I don't know if I could do a full 24 hours without speaking. It's crazy. We did 10 days. And it's, um, I did it three years ago and my first time I did it was an insane experience and it's the exact same thing this time that I did, but you have a completely different experience because of where you are mentally in your life and the things that are happening. It was completely different. It was insane, but you get so much damn clarity because all you, there's no, you're not even allowed to bring books to read on your free time. Or you're write in, you're in your thoughts. You're in your you thoughts. Are in your thoughts. And that's a scary motherfucking voice. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so you like sit there and, but there's all this stuff that comes up and you have wild dreams. And last time I got this crazy rash all over my body for like three days. And then I just like went away out of nowhere, but it's like your body does weird things and everybody has different experiences with it. And this time was way different than last time, but it's crazy. And the stuff that came through to me and the clarity I got, it was something else. And then when you are allowed to start talking again, you meet everybody at the end because you're in there with like 50 people and you're just sleeping up in the woods and like little cabin things. And then you sit in the meditation room and it's like I dropped my mask on the floor and it echoed. Like you can hear everything. If somebody has a whistle in their nose, you hear it. Like every, like every sound makes you, it's crazy. You wow. It. I think I would sign up for a three day. I don't think that I would sign up for a 10 day. <laughs> so you do the 10 day first. You have to do the initial 10 day because you learn and you go through everything. So it's all silent meditation. They'll like guide you in and then you're on your own. But you learn and do all these different things in those 10 days. And now I can go and do a three day or a one day or whatever afterwards. But yeah, I've done two 10 days and every time I'm like, I signed up for it. And I was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Cause you're in it and you start to lose your shit. Sometimes you're like, I still have seven days, seven days. No, I can't do it. And you're like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. So then you're like, you know, they take your phone they take all your car keys and everything. And so you're just like, where's the secret spot? They're hiding all my shit. Cause I got to get it. And I got to get out of here. <laughs> and they like, you're like gated in. It's hilarious, but it's crazy. Do you have any um, good stories from hospitals? Oh, that you can share that's not, uh, you know, that won't get you fired. <laughs> well, it's funny. I posted a picture the other day of this guy. I love this stuff. Being in radiology, you get to see what people stick in their bodies. I've got all kinds of stories about that. But this guy, it was so weird because he was about in his like late 50s and he had shoved an apple up his ass. And so you never know if people are telling the truth until you take your first image, right? Oh my it's, fun God. Being in, it's fun being in radiology <laughs> because you're the first to know everything about Wait, anybody. Pa- you're the first pa- to know. Ta- <laughs> I got questions. Do you, do you have to bleep this out, David? No, no, this is <laughs> this is going up. If you have to bleep it's, stuff out, you're gonna bleep me all day because I'm like I'm gonna shit that fuck yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Um, <laughs> I think I have no filter. I don't know. What that is. It was it an apple wedge or was it an actual apple? Oh my god, it was an apple. So listen to this. Yeah. So it's funny because you get these people that come in and they like swallow all kinds of stuff and shove things up places. And we've had people. I worked in a prison for a while and. The inmates that, wanted... It's called one. the prison pocket. <laughs> Have you ever heard that before? No. Yeah. I haven't. It's but called the prison pocket. Do, people would shove things up their urethras, and I'm just like, oh, just to get out of prison for the day and get oh to go god. get imaging done and stuff. People oh, like, my god. So you always have, you know, they're like, oh, like they come into the ER, and they're like, oh, I've got an apple up my ass. And you're like, do you really? Or are you just saying that? <laughs> so they're like, well, we're going to have to... If there's an apple up there, we're going to have to surgically remove it because we're not going to be able to get that out. So they're like, let's just take them straight to CT. So he comes up and he's this super nice guy, like in his late fifties, you would never think this guy would be shoving stuff up his ass. Right. So he comes in, I get him on the scanner and he's just like, Hey, how's your day? Whatever. And his wife is like, she's with him. She's a super normal woman. And I take my preliminary scout and I'm like, that's a fucking apple. And it wasn't a tiny apple. I'll send you the images, Dave. It's, the images are beautiful. I don't want to toot my own horn, but this scan was pretty. 
because the way it was shoved up there, it was so perfectly placed. Like he like, it was just like perfect. So I took the scan and I was like, this is awesome. Like these are perfect images and I can share them because I don't have any of the patient's information on there and everything. So I can send you the images. So then we have to do in radiology, we go to OR to guide the surgeons and stuff with imaging so they can see where to go. So then we have to do the imaging and the guy's like, I want to be awake for it. I want to like be there when you guys take it out and all that stuff. And he's like, I've done this before. It's not my first rodeo. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> and then I'm just like, I really want to have a conversation with your wife mainly. <laughs> Did you do this? Did he do this? Were you in oh this together? God. So it's just crazy because people shove stuff up there and I'm like, it's a sucker. It's going to suck. Whatever you put in there is going in. Like people just think, oh, I can just get stuff in there like a little bit, like a vibrator or something. No, 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 no. <laughs> So, so David, now you have your picture for social media to to hook people to listen to this. Oh (laughs) my God. (laughs) If you buy and send you that, I've got a bunch of images of it. They're cool because they're cat scan imaging. So they're slices. So we do slices from top to bottom, front to back and left to right on people. So the imaging is just really cool. And then like the inside of an apple is like a star. So it's like the apple looks cut in half because you can look at it from different sides. It's very pretty. It's a very pretty. So image. was it upside down or was it no. stem side? Up? Oh my god! Oh, it's perfect. I can let me. I can show you a picture right now on here. So this is <laughs> the, this is this is the front. So this is his pelvis, and those yeah. are the kidneys. And then right here is the front of the apple. So it's like a star. And oh then my god! She she went right to it too, David. <laughs> this, is the, this is from the top down. So like, if you're looking down from like the head down to the feet. Yep, that's, that's an, an apple. apple. Yeah, that's, that's an apple. And then this is left to right. So I guess it's sideways. Oh my God. I can't imagine what that feels it's not like. It's a small apple either, right? It's a big fucking apple. That's an apple. <laughs> but it's really fun to post and stuff because people, I'm always like, guess what it is? Everybody always thinks it's a peach. It does look like a peach, but you gotta notice the stars in it. So No, that's an apple. <laughs> yeah. That's one of my funnest ones because I was working by myself and I like was chatting with the guy and then he got to go to OR. So I got to see it all the way through. So that's one of my favorite ones. And then there's one girl that shoved needles all over her body, like from the outside in. She had probably 35, 40 needles in her body. Oh. So we had to scan her, like, or we didn't scan her, we had fucking had an x-ray or it took forever. And she was crazy. <laughs> Were they pushed like all the way in? Yeah. She pushed them between her fingers, between oh her toes God. and her abdomen into her arm. Like we didn't know what to expect. And then I asked the doctor, she came in all the time for all kinds of weird shit. She was always doing something weird. We had a kid that would swallow batteries all the time, like nine volts. And then they'd just be sitting in this belly, like nine volt batteries. The imaging is so fun. Like I love that stuff. And um, then there's the sad part of it, right? Where it's like, you're the first to see somebody with cancer and you're like, you start scanning and you're like, oh, you know, it's like, you see all this shit going on or people full of blood and fluid or people come in for accidents. So there's definitely ups and downs to all of that, but it's a wild world in radiology. So it's kind of crazy. And then strokes, you know, you get to, we do all the imaging for strokes. So you have a stroke patient, you got to be on your game and get them in and out in a certain amount of time to save them if they've got blood clots and stuff, aneurysms, all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely cool to be in radiology, but it's nonstop too. It's very busy. So you're in a busy hospital? Yes. I work in one that's crazy. And then I work in one that's, they're just two very different types of hospitals. One's like no nonstop, go, go, go. And the other one's busier with like, you do a lot of procedures and stuff. And you still do ER patients, but it's not as crazy. When I worked in Ohio, I worked at a level one trauma and that was crazy because you had all kinds of accidents and stuff. Like one car accident where the woman's head came out the window and like went against the guardrail and sliced off her head off. And they still brought her in, wanted to scan her, seeing if she could make it, which didn't. But just stuff I saw, like that. I saw a car accident where the woman was sitting in the back seat of an SUV. I think it was a Toyota 4Runner. And she was sitting in the middle, no seatbelt. And she flew into the uh, rear view mirror 
and peeled off the top of her head, but she was conscious and fine. <laughs> really? Yeah. Conscious, huh? It's interesting where things get hit. Like there's been people that come in that have stuff lodged like through their head and still are completely functional and able to talk and stuff just because of how it hit completely. Yeah, you know, one, or people, one centimeter over and, and now they can't speak. People have tried to kill themselves and they go under and it just goes up through the brain a certain way or out their eye. So it didn't, it just makes you, you might be fucked up for life, but you live through it and it's crazy. Definitely some crazy stuff that you see working in the hospitals. And opportunities for difficult scenarios to get through. <laughs> yeah. Well, right now, everybody is very exhausted by this, by everything going on in the world, obviously. And the mandate. <laughs> yes. Everything with the vaccines and then people that don't want to get vaccinated being forced to, and they're losing healthcare workers, they're losing police officers, they're losing firefighters, you know, people that have to get this done. And so all of a sudden we're, you know, short staffed and all of us are suffering because we're working short staffed. And you got people on leaves of absence, you got people retiring five years early. And then you've got people that are going into school to be a doctor, a nurse, radiology, police officer and stuff, and now are changing and don't want to do it. Like, it's terrifying to become a police officer right now. You know? Yeah, it's not, not a good time in the country right now. Yeah, I'm like, I don't blame you for not wanting to be a police officer, but it's also like, what are we going to do? You know, it's scary right now where the world is going. And it's like our frontliners need to have someone and have a community and have support and know that they are supported and that there are people out there that love, like... I respect police officers so much. I just don't understand. There's bad people in every line of work. There's doctors that do things to people. There's police officers. There's everything. Every line of work you're going to go into. And I understand everything that's gone on has been crazy this year, but there's also those that are good and it's not fair to them. So there's just so much support we need to have for people on the front line right now. Thank you guys, both of you for creating your coaching program and, and you know, who you support. I'm all about it. Go ahead, Liz, what you about to say. Oh, I was just going to say what I find is probably extra hard is that at least, you know, you're in a tough job already to begin with. So when you get out of work, at least the world was like semi cordial, civil, (laughs) civil, and you could go out to dinner and not have to worry about somebody screaming at somebody, you know, and it was maybe a bubble. I don't know. But now it's like you leave work and it's just crappy people out there too. So that's just how do you bounce back from that? That's just another added layer of you know, stress and depression and anxiety. I'm an optimist and I think that uh, everything ebbs and flows and I think that we will get back to normalcy at some point. You know, it might be next year, it might be the year after that, but we will get back to normalcy and things will start to uh, improve. And I think it'll be a noticeable improvement, you know? I hope There so. are definitely good things that have come through this, you know, and there's a lot of shit, but it's like, I'm with you. I try to be optimistic about everything. And it's like, I was reading a book the other day And it was like perfect timing. I got to a chapter about gratitude and it's like finding gratitude in the negative and the positive. You know, it's like all the things that you find that you can turn around and make good of. And it's so important to do that. And that was something that like hits home for me and like something I try to think of. And like when I meditate, it's like you're meditating on what you're, you know, you can pick whatever you're meditating on. But if you want to think about gratitude and things you have and then the things that are bad, meditate on that, but see what you can find good in it. And I think it's so important. Any aspirations of writing a book, either of you? I actually write stuff. I have a thing that I'm always adding to. And I don't know, my sister's an English major. And she's always like, I want to do your book. She's really good. And so we talk about that. And I'm like, I don't know if I'd want to write a book or if I want to do it like journal style, like entries or how I'd want to do it. But I've got stuff about my meditation journeys and I've got stuff about the hospital. I've got stuff about my burnout. I have all these different things. So mine might make sense as like a journal thing. It's hard for me to bring it all in. (laughs) I think my aspirations are more to play an instrument. Yeah, I'd rather which which one? Which one? Well, I used to play the violin and I really want to pick it up just to like make it more like fiddle. 
I would definitely want to play the fiddle or guitar or banjo. Okay. okay. <laughs> she likes a string instrument. I like the strings. I, I have long, saxophone I, and piano. I have long fingers, and I've been told I have piano fingers. <laughs> you do. You have piano hands. Yeah, sure. so I would like to learn the piano, and I think I would like to learn the guitar, but only so that I can play it for my grandchildren, you know, not like for audiences, just like Papa on the porch, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Around the oh, campfire. Yeah. Campfire. Yeah. yeah, my husband learned um, the ukulele last year, and so he's been, we went to Liz and Devin's, or her husband Devin's house, when we were in Ohio a couple weeks ago, and he brought his ukulele, so we were all sitting awesome. on the campfire listening and singing and stuff. It's so fun. That's really cool. Who's playing Sweet a good, Child of Mine? That's sweet cool. Child of Mine. <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome. I think music's everything. That's something else, you know, to lean on when you're having a bad day is putting on the right music. The only time I listen to music is when I'm exercising. And then, yeah, so like if I'm walking, I'm usually listening to some kind of personal development or, you know, I'm listening to an audio book. But if I'm actually working out, then I I need music to like, I actually need it. I need it to pump me up and like get me psychologically ready Mm because I usually feel tired. (laughs) What's What's your genre of choice? I like hip hop and I like hip hop instrumentals. So like when I'm working out, it's, it's usually called, it's like trap bass. So it's like bass music. And like for a while, my kids had me into like dubstep, which is like really crazy music. Dubstep. <laughs> like ele- yeah. Like electronic, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that climax. E- yes. E- raises e- and raises e- and raises. And then it drops. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. Drops. What is that? EMO? EMO? I think um, it's electric. Electronic. It, yeah. It has yeah. a lot of different names. The kids yeah. are into it these days. Yeah. My kids got do- me into it for a while. You said you did jujitsu? I did jujitsu for seven years. And then I had a lot of injuries, my shoulders, my knees. So I stopped training because, uh, A, I was no longer, like, I felt proficient enough to handle myself. But also, I was no longer a street cop, so I didn't really need it so much anymore. You know, now I'm a detective, so I just, you know, send a cop to go arrest the guy. (laughs) (laughs) Or or I can talk them in. I'm like, hey, why don't you turn yourself in and come in, you know, if it's not too serious. So I did jujitsu for seven years and I absolutely love it. I'm still a huge fan. I watch the UFC. I'm a huge fan of, of fighting in all martial arts, Aikido, jujitsu, you know, karate, boxing. I, I'm a huge fan of all combat sports. But for me, I just feel that I'm in better health just going to the gym and just, you know, mm-hmm. my limbs are better. Yeah. <laughs> my neck's not always sore, you know, like I don't limp anymore. <laughs> Getting older so, is not fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I gave, like- I gave up rolling around. I don't know anybody that does jujitsu and I've become obsessed with it. Like I, I don't do it, but I really want to. And I found that's like a mile from my house. I mainly want to do it because I'm all about like self-protection and then the workout from it. Like, I don't really want to do fighting or anything yeah. like that. Like, sparring. Um, sparring, like, well, just that, what do you call it? The, they call it rolling. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do all that, but I really want to do like learn self-defense and also, you know, I don't mind the sparring and stuff, obviously, cause you gotta learn, but I do worry about the injuries. Like, I don't know. People get real beat up doing jujitsu, but I also, I found a gym. I'm thinking about going and starting to do that. I think I'm going to go down to orange theory for twice a week, just to do my cardio and then do jujitsu the rest of the time. You just gave me an idea. I'll call it like no injury or old guy jujitsu. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Cause a lot of people are afraid of getting hurt, you know? And I think you can learn the techniques without actually getting hurt. You usually get hurt when you go live, when you're yeah. actually like, you know, like you're going live with someone and you're trying to, they're trying to choke you and you're trying to prevent them from choking you. So that's yeah. when mistakes happen. You know, that's what, and, and you don't get hurt so much with the experienced instructors, you get hurt more with beginners, you know, cause they just don't know as much control. You right. Know. That's what's scary is getting started and working with beginners and being a beginner. And I wouldn't Here, want to hurt Here's you. your next business, David. 
There you yeah, go. Just, so I have to retire to start that business, but I, <laughs> I love the idea. <laughs> we got to come up with a good name. But yeah, I think um, everybody that I've seen, so I, I'm on Reddit and I started following a lot of jujitsu stuff and I started following it on Instagram. So of course it's all popping up everywhere for me now. And there's like 30 jujitsu gyms around me. And so I was like, how do I choose? So I started Googling and looking all the different ones and I found one that looks like really good. So it's huge in California. I would recommend that you try to find the one that has the most women that you can work out with because yeah. that, I look that for will, women's only. that's going to be really difficult to find. <laughs> I don't know if they have such a thing, but there are a lot that have women's classes. Mm-hmm. This one's got women's options for classes. And then there is one near me that it's a little further, but it's um, owned by women, which I think is cool. That um, is cool. Yeah. So it's all owned by women. The guy that I found here though, he's like a seven time national or a world champion. Like everybody, he's very well known. People come from all over the world to come take his, if they're like in California, they come to take his class and stuff. That and, would be uh, a great place to go too, because uh, it's going to be packed out and you're going to have a lot of different training partners. So yeah. you learn who to stay away from and <laughs> you learn who, who the good partners are, you know? Right. I highly recommend, like- highly, highly recommend jujitsu to everyone I talk to, especially when they're like victims of any kind of crime, you know, whether it be an assault or a rape or like any kind of sexual assault. I just recently had a 14 year old girl who was uh, touched sexually by a classmate. And I told her parents, I'm like, put that girl in jujitsu. I'm like, it will make the world of a difference. And um, when parents have boys, I always tell them to put their boys in wrestling because wrestling is paid for by the school. And all you have to do is get them sneakers. You don't have to pay monthly for wrestling. (laughs) But jujitsu and wrestling are very similar. Uh, The difference with jujitsu is there's more finishing techniques than there is in wrestling. Wrestling is more for sport and jujitsu is more for self-defense. Yeah. I just want to feel safe. I took Taekwondo when I was in middle school and I remember I just loved it. And I was a chubby middle school kid and I was like out of shape and stuff. And like, I, I can't imagine that. Real quick. I, I can't imagine I used to that. Weigh like, I used to weigh like 200 pounds. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Thanks. Yeah. It's been a up and down road for sure, but there's a lot more behind that story, but another podcast. <laughs> yeah. Another, another time. I'm going to have to let you guys go, but I just have a couple of last few minute questions. So I'll hit Andrea first and then I'll go to Liz. All right. My first question for you is if you had a superpower, a comic superpower, Andrea, what would it be? Oh, definitely invisibility. Visibility. And, yeah, and what, would you do, what would you do with your invisibility? There's so many times I want to be a fly on so many walls. I just want to go and like see what's up and just be places that nobody knows that I'm there and just <laughs> be sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I would you. choose teleportation because I love to travel. The traveling to where you're going is not the fun part. So you could just get there and think about like how much more time you could leverage on your vacation if you didn't have a travel day. Well, I'd be invisible so I could get on any flight I want and nobody even know in there. That's true. For free. Yeah. But you still have to take that travel time. Whereas Liz is just like poof, 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 poof. Yep. And if you've seen the movie Jumper, I could teleport into a bank, get the money, and then teleport into my high-rise apartment. Andrea, how would you use your power for good? Being invisible. (laughs) I know. God, how would I use my power for good? Well, you'd make a great spy. If I'm invisible, yeah. If I'm invisible, I'd want to do something for animals, like going in and seeing what's happening with all the like dairy farmers and chicken farmers and stuff. I'd be sneaking in there, messing all their shit up, letting animals free. I watched something. (laughs) I get real sneaky. I watched something on YouTube where they were showing the inside of some slaughterhouses. And the things that they were doing to the baby pigs were absolutely disgusting. And it's like, it makes you wonder like how 
some people can be so cruel. I don't get it. And then it's like people talk about, oh my God, in China, they eat dogs and torture them. I'm like, have you ever met a cow? Have you met a cow or a pig? Pigs are smarter than dogs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I don't agree with what China is doing by any means, but I like, let's talk about this for a minute. You know, and it's like people are over there and they're eating all this junk. And then as soon as people hear you're vegan, they're like, how do you even get your protein? I'm like, that's your main concern right now? You're over there eating cow secretions and shit. I'm like, I don't understand. You want to suck on a cow's teat? I'm over here eating tofu from a plant. What is your concern? <laughs> Let me ask you this first, Liz. What's your greatest strength? What's your power? I'm very empathetic. I'm very empathetic. I really like finding commonality with people and trying to understand where they're coming from. And so I think I've developed my empathy from that and wanting to know more about people. I love just meeting new people. And I think that all kind of plays together. So sometimes it can be a weakness too, because I think that some people will take advantage of it, but I don't care. I don't care. I'd much (laughs) rather be understanding and, and get taken advantage of a couple of times if I can connect with people. Andrea? I'm good at reading people. I'm good at reading a room. I'm good at knowing. I can feel somebody's energy out ASAP. And I can read if somebody's like... I always give people the benefit of the doubt and their first chance and everything, but I'm usually pretty spot on with what I've thought from the start. And it's like, I can come into a room and I feel energy and I know whether I want to be around somebody, whether I don't. People that are going through something, I can read that right away. I'm like, this person's very off. And it's like... And I feel like I'm really good at talking to people on a level that works for them. And everybody's always on a different level. So I definitely think that's something that I I really have. That's a good power. I'm good at hearing. I'm a good auditory listener. So like I'm a poker player. So a lot of times when I'm playing cards, I kind of listen to the way that they bet more so than looking at them. And, and, And with energy, I'm good at energy also, but it's failed me a few times where I was talking to someone crazy and you're having like a 10 minute conversation and you don't realize like, oh my God, this person is out of their minds. I, <laughs> I was on patrol in uniform. I was talking to uh, some muscular guy on the street. Uh, I think he was wearing no shirt and we were having like a normal conversation. You know, we were just chit-chatting. And then he, um, he goes into something about how he was kicked out of the military. And I was like, I just made a mental note. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then he goes into something about like some paranoia. And I was like, oh, oh, this guy's crazy. <laughs> and we had had like a 10 minute conversation. And I was like, man, my radar must really be off. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny. Yeah. There's just times, I don't, it's a really weird thing. It's like, I'll be in a room with somebody and it's like right away I can read. I just like, I don't know. It's almost like I'm a little bit psychic. My husband's in the kitchen right now laughing at me because he gets pissed because I know when he's lying or I know, I know weird things about him. And he'll be like, how'd you even know that? And he freaks out. Like, I'll be like, you did this and you did that. Or, and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm slightly a little bit psychic. Like there's, I get onto somebody's energy level and I can really read people and get onto their level and like really, you know, if I'm close with them and feel things out. Like I can tell something's up with Liz as soon as she says hi on the phone. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you just got to really listen, like you said, Dave, and then you read and you feel. And it's like taking that second. I think I always like to take a second when I see somebody and give them a minute and me absorb the space that they're in and see where they are, which is great for coaching. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I I just want to thank you guys for coming on. And also thank you again for the work that you guys do, the coaching that you do. Send me a couple of links in the email so that I can put them into the show notes. Yeah. If people want to book a call with us and chat and see if they're right for our program, um, we'll give you the link for that. And then our link for our pages and stuff. And Sounds thank like you for helping us get the word out because it's no needed. problem. 
My pleasure. Thank you for I, having us and inviting yeah. us. This is fun. It's been yeah, great talking to you. Yeah, my pleasure. Me too. Thank you I guys love your so energy, much. energy, Dave. You have great Thank energy because there's some people like as soon as we talked to you the first time and I was like got off the phone with you and me and Liz chatted and I was like, I love him. His energy's on point. He's a good person. He's doing things for the right reasons. So, Always smiling. And we appreciate everything you do too. Thank yes. you. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate your time and I, we'll talk again soon. Definitely. All right, bye-bye. All right, take care. See ya. Bye. All right, all right, family. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Everyone I interview, I've chosen for you guys because of their story. And I hope that you get some value every single time. If you did get value or just, just simply enjoyed the episode, please share the episode with someone that you know. If you know of a guest, a frontline hero that has an amazing story, something uplifting or a positive message, hit me up in the contact form of www.davidleith.com or DM me at Instagram at davidleith1. Subscribe to the show because I have some really phenomenal guests coming up in the next few weeks that you definitely don't want to miss. All right, one.